Sermons from FBC Athens. Welcome to the weekly podcast of the sermons from Sunday worship at First Baptist Church of Athens, Georgia. The title for the sermon from Sunday, February the 18th, is Journey to the Cross, the Last Straw. It is given by Matt Marston, Senior Minister. The scripture text is Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Our gospel lesson this morning is from the gospel of Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Then he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. And when the season came, he sent a slave to the tenants to collect from them his share of the produce of the vineyard. But they seized him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. So again, he sent another slave to them. This one they beat over the head and insulted. Then he sent another, and that one they killed. And so it was with many others. Some they beat and others they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them saying, they'll respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they seized him, killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it was amazing in our eyes. When they realized that he had told this parable against them, they wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowd. So they left him and they went away. This is the word of the Lord. We are going to be talking about the journey to the cross this Lent. We're doing that as kind of a corrective to, I think, two ways we kind of go wrong about the cross. One way is some Christians talk a lot about the cross, but never from the Gospels. It's from Paul or Hebrews. It's from the letters that are written, but not the gospel itself. And then other Christians, well, we read all of these passages, but we do it during Holy Week. And guess who comes to church on Holy Week every day? The ministers. So yeah, we can say, yeah, they're read every day. They're read all the way through, but no one's here to hear them. So instead of passing through quickly, we're going to take our time and see actually what Mark has to say. Martin Hengel, a German New Testament scholar, said that Mark is a passion story with a prologue. One-third of the book of Mark takes place after Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. One-third of the book... And 
the lectionary tends to read it chopped up, and it tends to read most of it on Palm Passion Sunday, and then that's it. So we're going to slow down and hopefully see more of the truth of the cross, what it says about us and what it says about God as we go through. This parable is not told out of nowhere. Jesus has entered Jerusalem. He is standing on the Temple Mount. He has just been questioned by all of the leaders who are very nervous. Why are they nervous? Well, he's popular. That's a threat. He is saying things that seem unauthorized. He's from Galilee. He's not from around here. He's not an elected official. He is a concern. And he tells them this parable, which they realize is told against them. You see, the vineyard in Israel's scripture has always been the people of Israel, Isaiah 5. And the leaders have always been called to work the vineyard, to care for God's people on loan as tenants on behalf of God. So already just the parable itself, the setting of it, the details, they're already thinking, whoa, this is talking about us. And then he says that the leaders of the tenants of the leaders of Israel have been sent time and time again messengers from God. And what do they want? Do they want something unfair or impossible? No, they just want, they're asking for the vineyard owner's share of the produce. What he is due because there has been an investment of time and resources to make the vineyard fruitful and to grow. And the people hearing the messengers say, you know what? Let's pretend like he never made it. Dead men tell no tales. So let's get rid of them. So they beat them and they say no and they kill some of them. And then finally, the vineyard owner sends his beloved son thinking, they will care for my son, but instead... They double down and say, if we get rid of this guy, we've killed the heir. We will get the inheritance. And so they do that. And then, of course, Jesus says very quickly, well, now the vineyard owner will come and destroy them and give the vineyard to somebody else. In the parable, the killing of the beloved son is the last straw. Well, they hear the parable and this becomes the last straw for the leaders in their gripe against Jesus. This is the first time in the Gospel of Mark where the word arrest is used for Jesus. Now they realize we don't like this guy. We've got to get rid of him. We're going to arrest him. This is the last straw. This is the red line. We can't deal with this anymore. Why? What was it about this parable that they couldn't take? Well, I think it is that Jesus told them a truth that they did not want to hear. 
And the truth was, is that they saw their role, they saw the work of God as a chance to inflate themselves, a chance to seek their own advantage, and not give back what is due. They heard this hard truth about themselves, and it made them mad enough that they wanted to kill it. Now, the they there, we're talking specifically about the Jewish leaders, right? And we have to be really careful because sometimes Christians can make it sound like that's something those bad Jewish people did. But of course, these aren't bad Jewish people. These are the best Jewish people. In other words, they're like all of us. There is nothing said about these leaders that couldn't be said about us. We tend, sometimes without even meaning to, to tip the scales in our own favor. We tend, without even thinking about it, to use situations to our own advantage. And I think that at least for many of us, when someone tells us the hard truth, we don't respond with confession and repentance. We tend to respond with anger, with wrath, with defensiveness, and with a little bit of get-evenness. And if we can't get to that, we'll do some cold shoulderness. That'll be it. I was thinking this week about this parable and about hearing hard truths and trying to think about times in my life because I think it's this kind of thing is easier to share from your own life because uh, it seems kind of irresponsible to share it for somebody else's. And this one, I mean, that's easy, isn't it? I could, some of you, easy. Uh, <laughs> I decided this situation came in my mind, and it is trivial a little bit, but it's trivial, and that makes it in some ways all the more hard for me to even think about. When I was in eighth grade, I played basketball, believe it or not, and I played kind of year-round basketball. We'd have school league and then spring league and then AAU in the summer. And uh, the spring of my eighth grade year, I was on a spring league team in Memphis. And it was several teams from several schools, a few players from several schools combined. We were kind of recruited, and there was a sponsor of the team who paid for our shoes and our gym time and our uniforms and our tournament fees. All we had to do was show up. And uh, it was a great gift to be there. And I started the year, and I started, and I played a lot. And then over time, my playing time started to go down. We started to do better. And I thought one had nothing to do with the other. I thought I was a victim of an injustice because obviously I work harder and have such a better attitude and I hustle more than all these other players to the point which the championship game, I didn't play at all. And we won. The only championship I've ever won or ever will win. And I sat there sulking the entire time. 
I was not happy for my teammates. I was not happy for the team. All I did was feel sorry for myself. One of my friends, Austin, after the game, when everyone is celebrating, other people didn't play, they were happy, and I was pouting. And Austin said to me, Matt, you are only thinking about yourself. This is good for everybody. Can you at least pretend to be happy? And I, it shocked me, and I woke up, and I joined the celebration. No. <laughs> what did I do? I got mad at Austin. I got mad. How dare he talk to me like that? He didn't even play basketball before we started playing. He doesn't realize what he owes me. And the whole thing became, I mean, I can just turn everything into food for my self-pity. Now, your story is not exactly like that. But I tend to think if what Scripture says about human nature is us hear a hard truth, we will tend to be defensive or some of, some of us just have the talent in one ear and out the other. It's like it never happened. It's really hard for us to see in that hard truth some new life. When Jesus comes and tells the leaders this parable and tells this hard truth, it actually is not to condemn them, or just to vent God's anger. And in fact, if you notice, the parable does not quite fit up with what happens because Jesus does not come and God does not come to destroy the vineyard tenants, does he? No, instead, the beloved son who is rejected and killed actually suffers the destruction those tenants have sown. And something amazing happens. The stone that the builders rejected becomes the cornerstone. The hard truth that seems like it could only condemn instead becomes a source of new life and healing. Think about the different reaction the leaders have here, and Peter. Does Peter live up to his expectations, even for himself? No. Peter, chief public relations officer for the disciples, first person to speak up, kiss up in class, know-it-all, he said, uh, if you go, we'll go, and we'll die with you. And then he says, I won't betray you. I won't deny you. And then what happens? Peter does like we do, which he does not live up to his own expectations. He does not live up to his own values. He doesn't keep his promises. And when he is confronted with that, he responds with, remember, weeping. He responds with weeping, which I think is a lot better than venting or defensiveness. He doesn't throw a pity party. He doesn't storm away and start griping about Jesus. 
See, in Lent, we have Lent, we have to have Lent, because Lent is the time of the year where we set aside to face some hard truths about ourselves. The story of Jesus going to the cross tells us hard truths about ourselves. And I think most often, like we read the prayer of confession, I think every word of it's true, and most of the time we kind of think, I'm not as bad as people behind me, and certainly those people who are still in bed or having a mimosa. We, we don't let the hard truth hit us the way it could because we're always scared that the hard truth is meant for our obliteration or our annihilation. It's the end of everything for us. But of course, Jesus tells this hard truth and all hard truths not to destroy us, but to heal us, to transform us. The story of the cross is how God takes the worst thing we could do to God and turns it into the best thing that God has done for us. It takes the hard truth that seems impossible to face into an avenue for new life. People, a few have asked me, why do you talk about recovery so much? And I say, it's the best example we have where the hardest truth that we don't want to face becomes the source of new life and transformation. And it's not just true for those of us with addictions, it's true for all of us. The stone that the builders reject, the truth that we don't want to hear, we can't bear to face, is not there to destroy us. It's meant to become the cornerstone of a new building, new healing, new transformation. And by God's grace, slowly and surely, it happens. I mean, it's not been huge, and I'm not a finished product, but 26 years later, I can almost be happy for somebody else. <laughs> almost. And I can fake it. The last straw for the vineyard owner. The last straw for the leader becomes not the last straw for us because God takes that last straw and forms it into the shape of a cross and it becomes our best look at the love of God and our best hope for a new life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermons from FBC Athens. Join us for worship in person or our live stream Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. God's grace and peace be with you today, tomorrow, and always.